1: Hey, it's Alex from the Guilty as Charged podcast crew, and I'm here to talk about Manscaped. Just like an NFL game, your balls need to be clean. What happens when your balls aren't clean? I don't know. Joshua Kelly fumbles, Philip Rivers interceptions, deflate gate, you name it. Using the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0, you can groom to your heart's content. Their trimming technology is the best in the biz, and you won't catch a suspension for cheating. Personally, I love the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs. Whatever you want, Manscaped has it. For 20% off your first order, use code GUILTY at checkout. It supports the show, but also supports your grooming habits. That's the most important thing. We care about you. Again, that's code GUILTY at checkout for 20% off your first purchase. Now let's get to those Los Angeles chargers.
2: Hey, Chargers fans, welcome to another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. This is officially our last episode of the year 2020. What a memorable year it has been. Alex, how are you doing today?
1: Good. Uh, We made it through 2020. So and we got uh, 100 episodes deep. We still haven't been canceled somehow. Uh, I I don't know why we haven't been, but, you know, uh, we're going to (laughs) keep doing the show as long as we can.
2: Hey, well, you know, we almost got canceled today by a few people, but that's another story. Uh, I don't really want to talk about this morning. Really, the lat—the only thing I want to say is that if you think I block people because I disagree with them, you are mistaken. I do not care about disagreements. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, Alex, in honor of our 100th episode, I wanted to chat a little bit about maybe some of our favorite moments. And, uh, you know, I started uh, this tweet out today. I sent out the tweet today. Uh, and I, I think for me, like interviewing Yogi Roth was probably one of the cooler moments that I've had personally, um, you know, it was the first interview that I got to do for the podcast. And, and he was so cool about the whole thing. You know, he, he was so generous with his time. Uh, and I, I went back and listened to that interview a couple of weeks ago and I was just such a noob, and like, you could tell that my voice was shaking and I just like was yeah. nervous. And, <laughs> and so just kind of looking back on it and seeing how far, you know, I, I've come was pretty cool. Other than that, Uh, You know, we've had some really funny moments, you know, with me and you and with Tyler. And you brought up the Gabe Neighbors thing and the versatility after (laughs) his his touchdown against Denver. I think that was a funny moment for me as well.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, the whole Denver game was such a delirious mess. (laughs) It was, it was. Because we we were so, because it was such a terrible ending. uh, And then we all got on (laughs) Zoom and Stephen had said, uh, that he wanted me to record the audio because he he was uh, I don't know somewhere else not at home he didn't have his mic and I didn't understand what he said so we actually had to record that podcast twice. Oh man, um, it, it added to the delirium of the whole thing. So uh, there are a lot of memories like that. Obviously, uh, love at six is a is a whole memorable era. Yes, it uh, was. Of the show <laughs> from before I was here with Jason. Um, Jason yelling at me because I said, I still believed in Sam Darnold. (laughs) My first moment as a full-time cast member, but, um, no, I mean, there's, there's so many memorable moments. Uh, it's been a, it's been a memorable year for, for better or worse and mostly for worse, but, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's been interesting. And I, I can't believe we've done this since July. So yeah, it's, it's officially like six months for, for me, I guess. And, uh, 10 months or so for you guys, almost a year. Yeah. Um, and so the fact that we're still doing this and we don't hate each other yet, it's pretty good.
2: <laughs> it is pretty good. And, you know, it, it's so funny. Like I'll, sometimes I'll sit here and, and you know, I've never met Tyler or you in person. And, you know, you know, we just talk on zoom two or three times a week and, and do a podcast together. So it's just, it's a super cool experience. And I'm glad that I get to share it with uh, the four of you guys i've been you know catching jason up for those who don't know he is back from uh basic training and i just like you know he's asking me about all these questions and things like that and, and it just is it's such a surreal like conversation you know catching him up on a full season of of football but uh <laughs> it's been fun with him and uh obviously jason if you're listening i hope you are um <laughs> but welcome back my man
1: yeah no i, I we always talked about like Uh, introducing jason back to football and everything that happened in the nfl but like i honestly don't know if we can get him through everything yeah (laughs) crash course (laughs) over the next month but uh it's it's great to have him back on twitter um it's it's great to talk with you guys every day you know when when i started the show and started coming on i think i had like 200 Mm -hmm. followers 250 something like that and now i'm almost at like 400 something followers i think i surpassed 400 a few weeks ago so it's just been crazy talking to people on Twitter and bullshitting about the Chargers and, you know, people think uh, people want to talk to me. <laughs> that's, that's fun. I mean, especially in a pandemic era time where everybody's been talking to their friends through Zoom and, you know, we link up through Zoom all the time. Um, it's just a, it's, a we- it's a weird error certainly, to start a podcast, um, but it, it worked out for the better.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh if you're not following Alex on Twitter, you really should. You know, he he's got some great takes about obviously the Chargers, good articles. And then his his irrational love for the Philadelphia franchise is is really funny <laughs> to watch as well. And uh, Joel Embiid, I guess he's fine because you know he yeah
1: <laughs> he, he, fell, he fell down yesterday and I it looked like he tore his hamstring or something and I freaked out about it and then he came back <laughs> he came back and like took the team back from a ten point deficit to the Raptors so it was a fun game but uh so yeah my my Twitter is Chargers Twitter and about 70% charges Twitter and 30% other shit you probably don't care about, but you'll (laughs) stick, you'll stick around. I think.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You should. And uh, you know, speaking of the NBA, I think it's hilarious because they all went to the bubble with like crazy hairdos, right. You know, like Anthony Davis had, had braids and a big beard and LeBron had a big beard, but now that, now that it's a regular season, they're all like back to their normal hairstyles and things like that, which I thought was hilarious.
1: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It's been crazy to see all that. And, Harden still out here with the big beard um, yeah so we're still waiting to see what happens with him but uh it's uh no it's a it's a weird time for sports because it feels like every sport is kind of back uh, football is still going basketball still going baseball starts up in the spring or whatever hockey's back in two weeks so you know after this whole year where we didn't have sports for so long it's uh cool to have all these things going at the same time and you know we're about to have a hell of a ride in the offseason with the Chargers one way or another
2: yes absolutely and uh you know if you're a Padres fan right now I'm sure you are uh super happy and excited for what they're doing I know Alex is a little bit bitter about that uh so we won't talk about that for too long but (laughs) it is
1: if you're if you're a Padres fan just take care of him for me please just take (laughs) take care of please okay it's like the scene in uh toy story 3 where andy hands off his toys to the next person that, that's Aww. how i feel about blake's now but uh Aww. i hope you guys have fun with it but yeah blake uh, maybe, blake maybe, should uh maybe, maybe don't pull him out after the fifth inning or whatever that's what i was
2: gonna say i was like <laughs> blake should have a world uh world series ring right now but you know yeah analytics well. or whatever
1: <laughs> yeah uh I, I love analytics but maybe we shouldn't have done that but <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been, it's been fun interacting with people on Twitter and seeing sports get back open, uh, you know, throughout this whole process where we didn't have them for so long. And we did a yeah. virtual draft night, uh, which was, you know, interesting in terms of the NFL and, you know, all of us. <laughs> I remember my TV being, I want to say it was like 15 or 20 seconds behind the pick uh when justin was selected and i just remember seeing jason hands down into the table <laughs> and steven like looking like a bus hit him uh oh, man. <laughs> it was, that was just such a fun night and then the chargers traded up to, to 23 for kenneth murray and that was a big moment um but yeah we should do draft night again next year hopefully absolutely and maybe yep. maybe we'll do a preseason game or on zoom or something that would be that would be fun but uh we definitely want to interact with you guys more in 2021 however we can
2: yeah absolutely i think that's well said um and we'll definitely do something f- fun for the draft and you know starting next week it's full on draft season which i'm really excited about um if you know if the justin herbert selection taught me anything uh it's to not just be like 100 all in on on some kind of take and so i think me and me and jason kind of talked ourselves into the whole jordan love thing Um, and I kind of, I obviously wanted an offensive tackle really that that was my main things that I wanted them to take wills or Worfs and then, uh, take a quarterback this year. And I was just, I was 100% sold on that idea. And I think that's why I had such a strong reaction. So I think this year definitely going to be a little, a little more passive when it comes to draft takes, if if that makes sense, I'm not going to go full on starting a hashtag about someone, uh, that I really like. So I think it's going to be a little. You know, there are some learning experiences from last year, and I think that Justin Herbert selection obviously worked out for the best. And I'm so eternally grateful that they did not give us all what we wanted <laughs> with that selection,
1: yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go hashtag. Barley propaganda now (laughs) instead of pushing Isaiah Simmons uh, who's playing well now, uh, you know, we gotta, we gotta get someone else here. So I'm going to, I'm going to start that propaganda trade, depending on what pick we have.
2: (laughs) There we go. And obviously there's that's still up in the air. Um, So let's, let's focus on this upcoming game with the Kansas city chiefs. Um, And then after that, we're going to talk about our, uh, we'll not talk about, we're going to answer our mailbag questions on our Patreon page. So I think where we have to start with this game is all the players that are likely going to be missing. You know, Andy Reid said today that Chad Henney is going to start. Uh, Chad Henney hasn't thrown a football in like three years. So this is going to be really interesting for, for the chargers and to see um, how he's going to do. I know that they do have Matt Moore on the practice squad. And I I think I saw that they're planning on elevating him, which I'm surprised uh, he didn't get the starting the backup job in the first place. And then Andy Reid also said that a handful of other starters uh, were going to be resting as well. So I would expect that means Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Tyron Matthew, maybe some linemen. You know, they're kind of working with backups up front right now. Um, But I expect their core six, seven players to all be, you know, sitting this game.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. I think it's going to be probably Tyreek, Travis Kelsey. maybe they'll sit one of the running backs i could sit you know maybe they want to go that route um but yeah defensive line frank clark and tyron matthew those are all good picks i think to probably sit this game out um you know anthony or not anthony lynn andy reed was kind of coy with it and he just was like well yeah, we'll sit some guys and mahomes is out yeah. so uh we might not know really till game day uh, exactly who's going to be out but You know, um, Anthony Lynn was actually talking about it in his press conference today, and he said, you know, look, I mean, at the end of the day, we're not talking about a preseason team. We're talking about a team that still has you know 50 other guys on it. Uh, And so I still, you know, considering the Chargers injury report this week also, which is the first time I saw it, I was just like, I looked like I was reading a book, Um, (laughs) you know, so this is still going to be a hard game, I think, even. Without Mahomes, uh, I think Chad Henney is serviceable. It's in Arrowhead, uh, last game of the season. I, I, I think Chad Henney, and then that group will still want to go out with a win and play hard. Um, I don't think it's going to be. An, and Andy Reid's a really good coach. I, I really don't see this as an automatic win. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know that we'll get to whether the Chargers should or shouldn't win this game later. Uh, but. I think um, it's going to be it's going to be an uphill battle with the Chargers injury report and also with Andy Reid's coaching uh, at home in Arrowhead.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, ultimately, I feel like this game is going to be a lot like this last game against the Broncos, where really it's, it's going to be sloppy. It's going to be not a lot of great execution on both sides. And at the end of the day, someone's probably going to win by a field goal. So, you know, we'll see. But um the chiefs still have weapons, right? Like McCall, McCall Hardman's really good. He's, he's very similar to Tyree kill in terms of his explosiveness. Uh, we'll see if Sammy Watkins play plays, I could see him maybe getting this, this game off as well, but you know, Demarcus Robinson has had some good moments in the NFL as well. Um, you know, you mentioned Annie Reed, they have a great scheme. One of the, the, one of the more well-coached teams in the league. And, and so we'll, we'll see, like, you know, we'll get to the charges right now. You know, Keenan Allen, Joey Bosa, Brian Balaga, they're all probably out, um, which is probably the right decision. You know, we talked about that um last week with Joey Bosa and his concussion just not really worth the risk of him being out there in a week 17 meaningless game. Um, other than that, Casey Hayward might miss this game as well as Rayshon Jenkins. So the secondary could be a little short-handed as well. And last week. You know, I, I thought people were kind of talking about the defense as, as if they played well, but really just the Broncos, they were not super crisp. Jerry Judy probably could have had two touchdowns in that game. Uh, and so we're probably going to see this defense struggle a little bit again on Sunday because they're not going to have a pass rush. Uh, and the secondary minus Michael Davis is is not going to be pretty either.
1: Yeah. Um, if, if they don't have Casey Hayward, they don't have Rashawn Jenkins – Uh, That turns into a really big issue in the secondary, uh, as we've seen in some of these games. And, you know, minus Joey Bosa, minus Melvin Ingram, I don't trust this defensive line to get consistent pressure. Uh, I mean, maybe Jerry Tillery finally has a game again, or maybe Isaac Rochelle goes off. But I I just don't see anybody but like Linval Joseph getting some occasional pressures and and maybe a a quarterback hit. Uh, I I just don't think it's going to be all that consistent. Uh, I, I am confident in the linebackers. I think they can yeah. stop the running game. Uh, they've been really good the last couple of weeks with uh, Denzel Perriman, Nick Vigil, uh, Kenneth Murray as well. I think all of them have played pretty well, uh, which has surprised me because they they experienced some losses at linebacker earlier in the year with Tranquil, um, and obviously Thomas Davis didn't return this year. But uh, they really, I think, shored up that second level as the season's gone on uh, and it's played a lot better. So. I'm confident in the second level of the defense, but yeah, yeah, with, with all the injuries and uh, the secondary and defensive line, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> they they just are what they are at this point. As far as like shutting down Bosa, um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that kind of sets in line with what I said, which was they were never going to officially shut down Bosa, but you know, two concussions, he's probably not going to play the last two weeks, uh, yeah. and that's what ended up happening. Keenan Allen's on a bad hamstring right now, so you know, I don't think they want to take any risks with him tearing it or something. Uh, So he'll sit. And I just think that's what the team's going to be. They're going to be without some of their guys. Um, You know, we might finally get Joshua Kelly active for this game, which, (laughs) Um, but, you know, I mean, this is a week 17, you know, six and 19. That's, you know, kind of, you know uh, you know, limping towards the finish line and the injury report is pretty indicative of that.
2: Yeah, this is really it's really gonna feel like a preseason game. You know, I know obviously, you know, they've had these other games, but it's gonna be a lot of backup players against a lot of backup players. And so we'll have to see. Um, you know, ultimately I think Justin Herbert's gonna be able to to get the job done. But um, you know, just kind of looking at this injury report. Uh, I should also mention that Donald Parham, uh obviously not con- not confirmed, um, but we know Hunter Henry was on the COVID list, and now Donald Parham is listed with an illness. So, uh, you know, just kind of connecting the dots and maybe thinking that he might have COVID, which uh, would be a tough situation, you know, if they're dealing with Steven Anderson, Matt Sicole, and probably Gabe Neighbors as their three tight ends on Sunday. But um, you'll know, we'll have to see if that gets confirmed later on.
1: Gabe Neighbors, versatility king. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> got, we got to put him in starting tight end
2: now. <laughs> which I think he could do well. I mean, you know, just give him some more snaps. I think in that scenario, you know, Steven Anderson probably plays the majority of the game right. and and they have been doing a lot of more, you know, three receiver sets ever since Virgil Green went down. Um, but obviously not having depth there is, is going to be interesting. So I wanted to talk about, you know, in terms of Brian Bloggin being out, I think storm Norton, I thought he played rather well on Sunday. I, I do. Um, and, you know, he's been one of the more consistent players up front, over the last couple of weeks. And so I think it's going to be good for him to get a full week uh, of starter reps and, and finally uh, know like the entire week that he's going to be starting. So, you know, obviously he started against, um against the Patriots when Sam Tevy had his baby. Um, and then, you know, he's been playing a lot the last few weeks, but most of it is just been because Brian Balaka can't finish the game. So I'm excited to see what storm Norton can do with a full week of practice. And, uh, You know, I really do think that he probably ends up being a swing tackle next year uh, over, you know, over Sam Tevy and potentially Sam Tevy and uh, Trey Pipkins. But we'll have to talk about that once we get uh, past free agency.
1: Honestly, Storm Norton's been maybe the best offensive lineman in these last (laughs) few games. So sad. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's been a rough couple of games for Sam Tevy, who I think started really well. Feeney lamp oof, not working well. Um they were pretty bad against Denver. And Turner, I don't know, he's been kind of up and down this year, but he hasn't shown me anything special to be like, yeah, I want to pay you 11 million dollars next year. Um Right. But I mean, that's that's just been the offensive line as a whole. It's kind of disappointing and I mean, we'll get to this in the Patreon questions, but it's um it's just the offensive line that's kind of at its wit's end and I think it's truly with uh, Tevi and Feeney and Lamp kind of at the end of their contracts. Uh, you know, this is the first real potentially they will bring back Turner as well. This is the first real like inflection point uh, for this offensive line group. And like, uh, honestly, based on how it's going right now, I wouldn't be surprised if it was kind of blown up entirely uh, yeah. in the off season.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, there were a few questions on the Patreon page, so we'll we'll talk about that in a second. Um, as far as the keys to the game, I think for me, you know, it like everything this season, it starts and finishes with Justin Herbert. We, you know, I think we need to see him have a clean game. I would love to see them, you know, open up the playbook a little bit more and, and let him attack the, the Chiefs defense down the field. Uh, I don't think he's going to get the yards record, but, you know, I just want to see him have a nice clean football game. Uh, you know, maybe two or three touchdowns would be nice. Obviously get some distance between him and Baker Mayfield. But more than anything else, I just want to see them, you know, just unleash him. Like there's no point in holding things back anymore. You're you're at the last season, your last last game of the season. Just let Justin Herbert go out and do his thing. Throw the ball down the field, which we didn't see a whole lot of last week. Uh, I think he only had like two or three passes that went 20 yards or more. Um, so just let Justin Herbert get back to what we saw in the middle of the season and and let him attack this defense down the field. Uh, I I really like seeing him last week use his legs a little bit more. That was a lot of fun for me. Um, so I just think you know it starts and finishes with Justin Herbert. Uh, just got to play a clean, uh, nice clean game this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> back to uh, team fun. I just hope Justin Herbert has fun. Yeah, uh, that's, that's <laughs> the main goal for this Kansas City game. But no, I mean I'd like to see them open it up. Uh, we saw Justin Herbert use his legs a little against the Broncos, so maybe we see a little bit more of that uh, on Sunday against the Chiefs. I think that'd be fun uh maybe not on fourth and eight but we'll we'll see what yeah I to do <laughs> so there it um it worked though but uh yeah no I mean I, I honestly in this game you know you got no Keenan Allen Mike Williams will probably play but I I really want to see you know this is kind of the last outing we'll see for a while from Tyron Johnson Jalen Guyton uh and, and some of those guys so I really want to see kind of Who emerges, I guess, you know, from the pile and, uh, you know, sort of becomes a real big contributor next year. I don't think this game will determine that because obviously the Chargers and Chiefs will both be playing backups and they're both depth challenged uh, right now for different reasons. Chiefs because they're sitting people, Chargers because they're injured. But um, I'll I'll just be curious to see, you know, in terms of that receiving group and the running backs, you know, can, can Joshua Kelly step up? Can we get... Uh, you know, some, another good Tyron Johnson game, can we get a good Dalen Guyton game? That's really what I want to see from these guys who uh, whose spots are guaranteed next year, but maybe their roles aren't. So I'll just be curious to see how that plays out
2: against this Chiefs team. Yeah, good call. I think that that is a spot on for the, you know, the skill players around him. And I'll, I'll be really interested to see what happens with Mike Williams. Um, he only had five targets last week, and I think he only had one in the second half. So Um, definitely something to keep an eye on there. I think defensively, you know, I went back and watched the film and really the first thing that stood out to me was Kenneth Murray. And I think, you know, he's kind of turning a corner, you know, ever since the the New England game where he was really kind of the only one that uh, was playing very well. And I think he's been very solid this season overall. Obviously he had a hundred tackles and, you know, know that's not everything when when it comes to linebacker evaluations, but I feel like Kenneth Murray has been playing very well the last couple of weeks um, he was calling the defense this past week. And so I know there were some people that were asking about that. Um, but I just, I would love to see him, you know, make a true impact play. You know, he, he's been very solid, not taking away anything from him, but I would love to see him force a turnover, get another sack, something like of that nature where we can see uh, number 56 is, you know, hands on this game and, and really be able to impose his will on the Chargers defense and, And frankly, they need him to because they don't really have any explosive playmakers on this defense anymore. Uh, So I I think that Kenneth Murray probably needs to force a turnover, get a sack, something like that, uh, to spark this Chargers defense.
1: Yeah, I mean, it would be cool to see him get a sack again, put him in a pass rush situation. Um, Maybe he ties Casey Hayward for interceptions. Uh, (laughs) Ties Mike Williams for interceptions as well. Uh, So it it would be fun to see a forced fumble or pick you know something in this game to kind of swing momentum the other way and and he might have a chance at it because they might not have regional jenkins and he might be the only guy that can catch the ball you know at some point so um you know uh, yeah i'm curious to just see his impact on the game can he stop the running game you know some of the stuff we we've seen because like a lot of people when they evaluate linebacker play, it's like, well, he has all these tackles, but it's like, you know, I'm not seeing him in the game. And yeah, sure. He's graded with tackling efficiency and all that, but you know, you don't, you haven't seen Kenneth Murray, I guess, since the Patriots game, if you're just kind of watching it on TV, right. Or maybe you're stopping seeing him stop the run, but you're not seeing him have an impact in other ways. And it it would be great to see the Chargers kind of unleash Kenneth Murray again, um, like he did before. Uh, and get him into more pass rush scenarios where, you know, some of the fans can see some of the good work he's been putting in, because I I really think it's kind of gone under the radar a little bit, because, you know, it it is not the most noticeable game, but I think his tackling efficiency and and his contributions in the run game, uh, obviously his pass rushing versus New England, uh, I think you've just seen signs of him building up from what was initially kind of a rough stretch around the middle of the year.
2: Yeah, totally agree with that. Um, my last key to the game is pretty simple. Um, don't get torched by Chad Henney. So uh, I was I was curious, and, and so I went and looked at his statistics, and um, the last time he started more than four games was in 2013 for the Jaguars, uh, and he only completed 60% of his passes and had more interceptions than touchdowns. So,
1: I forgot uh, he was on the Jaguars. thought felt- <laughs> I know the last team we started for was the the Dolphins, but uh, no, yeah. sorry <laughs> for the Jaguars. Um, yeah, what a quarterback factory Trevor Lawrence is walking into.
2: Oh, yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> with the clinch number one pick. Right. Yeah, I mean, don't get torched by Chad Henney. Seems simple, but we also got torched by Joe Flacco and Drew Locke and,
2: <laughs> and Doug people. Hodges last year.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Been a tough two years. But. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think they'll be able to stop Chad Henney. I mean, honestly, I think Chad Henney will determine things less than Andy Reid, I guess, if I had to put it out like that. Chad Henney doesn't have the arms Patrick Mahomes does, but I think it'll just depend on kind of what the scheme is, what plays are drawn up for him. Uh, He's not going to chuck it 70 yards down the field, but I, I think he can get into that intermediate passing game and because of the coaching, because of the receivers around him, uh, still have success if you know the Chargers are you know sort of loose and they don't have guys uh, in the secondary
2: yeah so Chad Henney has been in the NFL since 2008 wow which I I didn't realize that yeah so I was a freshman in high school when he made his debut and when his debut in uh in Miami and he actually I played more... nine <laughs> <You were> in
1: nine... <laughs> 2008 <laughs>
2: Sometimes I forget how much older I am than you, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so he he actually played more years in Jacksonville than he did with Miami. He only played four years in Miami, and then he played five years for the Jaguars. I
1: don't know why I remember it so much then, but for some reason, when I think of him, I always think of uh, just the Miami uniform, but I totally forgot about Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, But most people forget about Jacksonville. So,
2: yeah, absolutely. And to be fair, he was Blake Bortles' backup for for most of his time in Jacksonville. Uh, So, um, uh, but what a job uh, title. What what a Bortles backup. (laughs) And Blake Bortles just got signed by the Rams to be uh, some former XFL's backup on this Sunday because Jared Goff broke his thumb. So, (laughs) <laughs> this uh really came full circle here.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh John Wolford versus whoever the Cardinals are starting. What a what a battle that'll be.
2: <laughs> oh man, this this last week in the NFL is going to be a mess, but uh you know, it is what it is. So we'll see. Um ultimately I, I do think that the defense is going to have some success, but uh let's get to our our predictions of this very weird game with the char- with the Chargers and Chiefs. Um I do think the Chargers are going to win. Like I said, I just think In the battle of the backups, I think the difference is going to be Justin Herbert. And we've seen him get three game-winning drives in a row. And I don't know if he's going to get his fourth, but I do think he's going to get his fourth victory in a row. Um, So I'm going to go Chargers 27, Chiefs 23. So I'll say the win by four, cover the spread if you're into that kind of thing because they're favored by three and a half. Um, But, yeah, I'm going to go 27, 24 Chargers.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I just have a nagging feeling the Chiefs win this one. Uh, I'm going to take Chiefs 20, uh, 24 to 21. I think it's going to be a weird kind of yeah. defensive game. Yeah. I, I don't know. I Being in Arrowhead last week of the season, like the, the Chargers just don't win in Arrowhead very often. <laughs> the 2018 win was like the first time in nine times. Uh, it's... It's very rare that they beat Kansas City. I think Andy Reid is a really good coach, and even though they don't have anything to play for, um, I you know I still think uh, the people that are playing are, are still going to want to do their jobs well you know, and execute even if Mahomes and Hill and Kelsey don't play. Um, I, I still think they're going to come out and play pretty well. It, I do agree that it'll be sloppy like the Denver Chargers game last yeah. week, but at the end of the day, just kind of think the difference is andy Reid versus anthony lynn and the only time that anthony lynn beat andy reed is when he coached like andy reed so um <laughs> there's you know stuff like that that is. this uh yeah i think it'll be close i wouldn't be surprised if the chargers won at all but i don't know i just have a nagging suspicion about going into arrowhead this time of the year and i, I wouldn't be surprised if the game just kind of ends up like it did last year where, you know, it's a close game. Um and I think it'll be closer because Mahomes isn't playing, but I do kind of see it being a little bit sloppy, cold weather game, all that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, man. Last I remember watching the game last year, but I, I was out of town and so it was just kind of weird. And uh a, a small part of me wishes the NFL would have games end before, you know, the New Year's turns, obviously. Um, but you know, that's another topic. So um, I I do think this is gonna be a weird game. I I honestly could see this being like a seventeen to fourteen or or like a even like yeah. a thirteen to fourteen type of game. Um, <laughs> you know, there's just so many backups and variables in this kind of game that uh, I don't want to say make, make me nervous, but just kind of make me wary of this matchup.
1: Yeah, um and, and just the fact that, you know, Chad Henney is such a wild card. He hasn't thrown a ball in three years. He yeah. could be awesome, he could be terrible. True. <laughs> right? like, we really don't know. Um, and that's part of the thing that just like keeps me up at night. It's like, what if Chad Henny plays his way into like a really cool backup contract somewhere else? Honestly. Um, but yeah, um, with just all the injuries the Chargers have, uh, the fact that the Chiefs are just kind of resting guys, I don't know, there's so many factors that just have this as like a Weird, sloppy game. Uh, I I definitely could see the Chargers winning, uh, and I want to see the whole team have fun, like I said. Uh, but I really just want to see, you know, who steps up, who performs kind of in their last outing of the season uh, of the guys who are playing. So it'll be close. I, I think I'm still going to take the Chiefs close game. But, yeah, I, I don't feel particularly confident about the pick, and I'll yeah. probably won't have too much to write about whenever <laughs> I send my picks to Jason Reed. <laughs>
2: yeah i definitely agree i definitely f- don't feel confident about this one either so uh let's get to our patreon questions uh you know we we got 14 of them so we, i think this was a uh year high for us which i'm excited about
1: 14 jesus yeah, christ did. last time i checked it it was like five
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so thank you guys for uh obviously supporting us on patreon and asking these questions so we're we'll gonna oh, started.
1: i just checked it and it's 14 <laughs>
2: yeah dude, it, it was a, it's a great week for mailbag so We'll start with Sam. Uh, He asks, what do y'all think we're going to do for backup quarterback next year? Um, You know, there was a a report or not necessarily a report, but one of the reporters I follow, you know, floated the idea of Tyrod Taylor, maybe going to a team like Washington or Detroit to kind of, you know, head their transitions into new new quarterback eras. Um, I, I don't know if Tyrod's going to stick around. I think if he does want to stick around, I will be 100% in favor of him being Justin Herbert's backup. Um, but I do think Easton Stick is going to be moving into that role and be quarterback two. Um, that being said, I would love for them to maybe either sign someone or draft someone in like the seventh round, bring some competition for that backup spot. But ultimately, I do think it is going to be Easton Stick's job to have uh, for the next few years
1: yeah i mean i i would love to have tyron back i just think the reality is he's going to go wherever he has an opportunity to to play um and if that presents yeah. itself like washington uh, i thought about the jets you know if they draft a quarterback at two like zach wilson and then maybe they trade darnold and have tyron you know come in to kind of compete for that job and maybe start from the gate i could see that yeah um I could honestly see a team like Denver, Um, you know, they have drew lock and they might bring in a veteran quarterback to kind of mess around and compete for that job. I could see Tyrod being that guy. Um, (laughs) Might need to increase his lung capacity for Denver. Um, (laughs) But um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I I would love to have him back as a charger. I just don't think it's going to happen. So I I do think there will be a transition to Easton stick and then, Maybe in like the sixth, seventh round or an undrafted guy, uh, they get uh, some kind of quarterback to be the third string. So that's ultimately what I think happens. If no team offers to Tyrod, though, to have a starting shot, I would love to have him back.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And they'll bring in someone, you know, they've traditionally like to have uh, three or four, sometimes even, you know, quarterbacks come in for training camp. Uh, So I could certainly see something like that happening. We um, could have
1: a Cardell Jones, Dwayne Haskins battle for the there, third we spot. <laughs> there we <laughs> go There we
2: go. I saw that Dwayne Haskins is gonna have some uh, have some suitors. Uh, I guess Carolina is interested in, in him as a backup, but uh, I guess you know that's not really our uh, our area of expertise. So uh, Zach Whittaker asks, um which two players other than Mike Williams, Trey Turner, Forrest Lamp, do you not want to see the team bring back next year? Um, it's not necessarily that I don't want to see those guys back. It's just, I don't know how much they're worth their, their current contracts. And I would be okay with forest Lamp coming back as a backup. I just don't want him starting next year, which is unfortunate because you earlier in the season, I did say that he was playing like the team's best offensive lineman. Uh, and then he just regressed in a big way. So I'll let you answer that question first. Um, anyone else that you would like to see this team cut or not bring back next year?
1: michael badgley <laughs> <I'll start laughs> yeah. off
2: with him. good call <laughs> um
1: yeah i'll start with him um yeah just i mean he hasn't been good this year there's yeah. a ton of kicks in empty stadiums and I, I can only imagine it getting worse if fans are back next year so I, I don't like that uh idea of bringing him back but i i ultimately do think he'll be back for training camp and we'll see how it goes yeah i, I honestly think i want to see mike Williams back. Um, Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's just going to depend on what the Chargers want to do with their offensive line, which we'll get to in a future question in a couple minutes. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I could see either of them coming back, but I do think it would be in kind of a depth reserve role. As far as other guys, Michael Badgley is one. Um, I don't know if there's uh, guys I really don't want to see come back. Hmm. Um, not, not a ton of other guys on the roster that I, I just don't think like deserve a spot next year. Uh, I mean, you know, Casey Hayward and Chris Harris from their contract perspective, I could see one of those two not coming back depending yeah. on what they want to do, but it's not like I don't want them back. Um, right. You know, it, it really just depends on what the finances are, what they feel about the salary cap, uh, all that kind of stuff if they were to draft someone like Caleb Farley in the first round or someone, something like that, then I could see not wanting Casey Hayward back in that situation just because it's like, you know, kind of time to transition. But, you know, ultimately I think there's not too many guys that I don't want to see back explicitly. It's just a matter of what role are they playing next year?
2: Yeah, I I agree with that. And I, I do think they probably should cut one of Harris or Hayward, um you know just because of their cap its and you know potentially having 30 plus million dollars tied into michael oh, yeah. davis casey hayward and chris harris just really isn't that smart financially so we'll have to see what they do there um there were a few questions that kind of were the same ones. so luke um riley and, and i believe someone else asked kind of what about your your dream offseason moves for this team whether free agency trade or draft um and obviously, we had a, we had a free agent question about the offensive line. So I'll start there. Um, by Sam Corney was the offensive line question. Um, I, in my dream scenario, one of David Andrews, the center for the Patriots, or Joe Thune, uh, the guard for the Patriots, one of them comes to Los Angeles and uh, and signs with the Chargers. I think obviously both would be fun, but um, I yeah. would love to bring one or one of those guys in and replace you know, Forrest Lamp or Dan Feeney uh, with someone that has played at the highest level and and not like a bargain free agent signing like, you know, Russell Okung and Mike Pouncey were. I want like a true, you know, stud offensively up front. Uh, I think that's where my dream offseason starts.
1: Yeah. um, In terms of the offensive line question, I put up a couple guys that I think could be targets next year. Uh, I think Andrews and Thune make a lot of sense because they're probably moving on from new England. Uh, and this team really needs help on the interior. Uh, I also listed uh, who's the guy from green Bay, the center. Oh, <laughs> uh, Lindsley. Um, I listed him as possibility because the Packers just paid all that money to David Bakhtiari. So, you know, he could very well uh, be available yeah. and chargers will need a center for sure because I don't think they're going to put Feeney starting there next year. And, pouncy has gone. Uh, and I also said Alejandro uh, Villanueva. Uh, he's a little bit older, uh, 32, I think. But I mean, you know, if this, it kind of depends on what the team wants to do in the draft, too, if they want to take a tackle in the first or second round, um, which, you know, might be a requirement at some point. But I, I just think he could fit really well opposite Balaga. Uh, hasn't had a track record of really many injuries in his career. Uh, so I he's been fantastic in Pittsburgh for all these years. So I think he could be a good fit. Um, so those are kind of my free agent offensive line targets. Um, and then there are guys that I think could be this year's like Daryl Williams uh, in Buffalo, yeah. uh, just like a bargain guy that you find for one or 2 million who ends up playing really well. Right. Uh, so I think they might sign one of those kind of depth guys, but I definitely think bringing it back to the broader point, which is like, you know, the dream off season, I think it's blowing up this offensive line entirely uh, other than Belanga, yeah. and just resetting, you know, get one or two free agent, offensive linemen draft, you know, two, I mean, one or two offensive linemen get some depth kind of free agents that are cheap and have them fight it out. Right. And, and see, you know, who rises to the top and then you know, you can still have storm Norton and Trey Pipkins in the background and, you know, whatever you want to do there. Uh, in terms of depth, but I really think that needs to be the first priority: is uh, offensive line getting blown up. Uh, in terms of other priorities for a dream off season, I would love to see kind of a Caleb Parley or finding that CB one uh, for me in general. Yeah. I think that would be a really big thing, you know, going forward, kind of transitioning from Casey Hayward uh, eventually. So I would love to see that if they not wanted to go in that direction in the first round uh edge is kind of a focus for me you know not so much in finding like a first round talent or a second round talent but figuring out what they want to do there um because there's a lot of ways they could go they could bring Melvin ingram back on a prove-it deal they could start each and wosu there they they could start tillery there <laughs> there's like so many options when you think about it. Yeah. michelle um or you know draft a guy sign a guy in free agency Uh, Solomon Thomas, you know, whatever you want to do there. I I don't know. Um, But just find a guy to put next to Joey Bosa uh, and, you know, hopefully, you know, he can play the whole season. Uh, I, you know, I just think the constant rotating of pieces opposite Bosa this year with Ingram, unfortunately getting hurt. And then, you know, everything else they did, you know, trying Tillery at defensive end and then kind of giving up on that experiment. I just think you really need a, consistent uh, edge option opposite bosa next year right um other than those three things uh i think it's just really figuring out and adding more depth to positions uh that would be my fourth thing is you know if derwin james goes down if joey bosa goes down i think you just have to have better depth i, th- I think this team is top heavy because you do have guys like herbert and Keenan allen and eckler and bosa and derwin Right. But I just think you need uh, some better depth uh, there that can take over reliably if someone has to exit a game. Right. Um, Trey Pittman's <laughs> coming in all those games for Brian Balaga, you know, that was a real big problem in the Chargers' so year. So Or, you know, Nasir Adderley having to be thrown into this role he didn't expect to be thrown into uh, playing free safety to Ray strong safety. Right. Um, so I think just improving depth and players kind of developing. Behind these top line starters, Uh, I I think that's crucial. Thing. So the four things I would say for dream offseason: blow up the offensive line, rebuild it completely, get a CB one, figure out what you want to do with defensive end, and uh, ultimately rebuild depth on this team.
2: Yeah, those are good calls, and I think you know we saw kind of some bargain uh, contracts for this team pay dividends, right? And Linval Joseph and Nick Vigil were kind of the the two best uh, free agent signings. And so maybe, you know, taking a swing on some veteran guys instead of, you know, kind of that middle tier could pan out for this team. So I actually brought up, I actually wrote down some free agents that I was interested in. Obviously, you know, once teams re-sign their guys or not, we'll be able to talk more about them. But, um, I was really interested in potentially, you know, bringing in a veteran pass rusher. Um, you know, uh, Justin Houston guy was, was interesting and jumped off the page to me. And Ryan Kerrigan from Washington, uh, I think he's going to be looking for a starting opportunity somewhere. And, and I don't think that's Washington because of chase young and Montez sweat and things like that. Um, so I think those two guys will be interesting as pass rushers. And, you know, if, if Jerry Tillery is a defensive end, then that means that they have to address the defensive tackle. And so, right. I think bringing in, you know, a veteran guy like Mike Daniels or Larry, Agunjobi from Cleveland. I think I'm saying that right. I don't know, honestly, yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but someone like that to kind of fill in behind Linval Joseph and Justin Jones to, to provide some, uh, you know, a different kind of defensive tackle would be nice um, really behind those two guys. I mean, like Damien square and, and Brayden Fajoko, like, and Cortez Broughton. So uh, I'm not really loving that depth. So I think for me, really the focus of this off season is just kind of, I don't want to say blowing up both sides of the offense of the lines, but, I think really the focus is rebuilding, you know, the, the line of scrimmage for this team because frankly it's just not good enough. The depth isn't good enough. And you know, Joey Bosa cannot do everything on his own on defense. He needs some help. And um, you know, speaking of Brian Bulaga, I I don't, you know, teams have people have asked me if they should move on from him. They can't. They have to keep him, they have to be able to get some value back from that contract. Oh, wow. Um, and then they have a team out in 2022. So uh, I think Brian Belaga probably is the the one starter that I, I'm fine with it. I would love for him to stay right. healthy this season was just kind of it was really hell for him. I mean, he got a concussion, yeah. he hurt his back, he hurt his knee, he hurt his ankle. Like he he's just had a tough season and I just think you have to hope that he is healthy next year going forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was talking with people about like bringing in a free agent offensive tackle, right? Because Unfortunately, we saw Okung's career kind of end here because of the blood clot issue. Um, you know, Balaga had a rough year. Turner kind of had a rough year uh, for different reasons, uh, but both both of them yeah. were injured. So it's like, you know, a lot of people are just like, oh, well, if you sign an older offensive lineman, you know, then they have a higher risk of injury. It's like, OK, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't sign a free agent. Right. And, you know, right. we saw the Cleveland Browns uh, sign Jack Conklin and he's been fantastic for them. Uh, right so it's like I, I don't think that you shouldn't spend money uh, on free agents just because you think you know you've had bad luck before so you shouldn't try it now it's like right. i don't know yeah, I, yeah. I just don't get that kind of mentality um but you know i look i think the chargers have been unlucky but i i still don't to me the issue with belonging and turner actually the more i thought about it was that they just kind of bet their offensive line on that and they didn't address offensive line in the draft right to me to me that was the bigger issue than like okay well we found these two older guys who are playing you know uh, offensive line positions you know so that was just my thought um to me i think if i had to bet on the one area where i think telesco will get external free agents uh i think it will be the offensive line
2: yeah we'll see I'm a little hesitant. I understand, you know, the gripe of of not wanting to sign another 30 year old offensive lineman. I get that. Um, But if it were like my dream, like if the way that I'm rebuilding this, this offensive line, I would cut Trey Turner, save that money and then go to Joe Thune or David Andrews and just give them a blank check and say, how much do you want to come to this team? I think those two really like are the, are the headliners of this class and we'll have to see, um, who else pans out? There are some good guards. I think that could make sense. John Feliciano from Buffalo, uh, Jermaine ifetti from Chicago kind of jumped out to me. Um, but we'll see. All right. So next question, Sam Corny, again, it says if a new coach is brought in, what position coaches would you hope are retained? And then you put in parentheses other than Pep. So yeah, Pep is, Pep is the main one. I think with a new coaching staff, would, I would want to stick around. Um, new coaches generally like to build their own staff. And so I'm not too confident that any new coach coming in would keep position coaches, but Pep would be probably the only one. Um, I think Ron Miles is a fantastic secondary coach. Uh, If he could stick around, that would be great. But really other than that, I think that's probably it for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think Pep would be the guy that maybe sticks around. Maybe a new coach brings him in and he gets promoted to like OC or something. Uh, that that could be interesting, um, but yeah, I generally agree with the premise that most times when a new coach is brought in, it's clean house uh, for most of the staff. So, you know, I I'd like to see Ron Miles continue. Maybe I'd like to see maybe Phil McJogan or somebody like that. You know, continue with the team. But you know, to me, it it's weird to i guess handicap a new coach with guys from the previous administration right right? Right. like it would be if you told joe biden like hey you got to work with these people from the trump (laughs) administration (laughs) you know um so i just think you know it's you know you're kind of handicapping a new coach i don't think that's a great idea but you know if he interviews ron Miles and likes him sure go for it um I'd be all for that, but uh, yeah, I I think it's mostly pep. And usually in the context of pep, I think we're talking about probably promotion um, if, if he does stick around.
2: Yeah. So kind of the next question is in that realm. Uh, If we keep Lynn, but replace Bradley as defensive coordinator, who would your pick to replace him be? So uh, I did write an article about this for LAFB. Um, It is on my personal Twitter page. If you want to go check that out. Um, I think ultimately, you know, we, we saw Anthony Lynn kind of keep it in house last year in regards to the offensive coordinator position. I think if they do fire Bradley, and I do think they are going to, uh, if Anthony Lynn sticks, sticks around, um, I think Ron Miles is a great choice. You know, he's been in Los Angeles for eight seasons now. He's got a good relationship with the secondary players, mm-hmm. and I, I just think that would be a, a solid in-house promotion. Outside of that, you know... I don't really have one that I really like, you know, I think if they could get, you know, a Marvin Lewis, someone that's, you know, got some, some big time respect around the league and then it's been there and done that with different kinds of things could bring in more aggressive scheme. Um, But I know that he has been getting some head coaching buzz. So um, I think if Bradley does go, I think they probably just stick with Miles and promote him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Raheem Morris is an interesting guy for me if he's probably not going to get the Atlanta job. Uh, So it would be interesting to me if they decided to bring him in. Um, I like Aaron Glenn. He's the defensive backs coach for uh, or secondary coach for the saints. Uh, He's an interesting name if they want to try him uh, and go in a younger direction. I, I honestly, Marvin Lewis is another great one. I think there's a lot of good defensive coordinator names, but you know, I think the main concept is what scheme do they want to run? Uh, do they right. want to stick in the 4-3? Do they want to stick in Bradley 4-3 specifically? Do they want to change it up? Do they want to go to 3-4, right? Because uh, Wade Phillips is a guy who wants to get back into coaching as well. But I only think Wade Phillips or someone like that would make sense if you want to convert defense against. So, right, um, there's a lot of, I think, the philosophy, I guess, behind the defensive yeah. coordinator is more important than the specific guy. Uh, So I'll be curious to see if, if Lynn does stay and they part ways with Bradley uh, sort of what they would change up in the defensive scheme specifically.
2: Yeah, I, I can agree more with that one. So the next question, do you think Mike Williams is retained at his $15 million price tag is, should he be released or would they be able to restructure his contract? If he is released, do you believe either Guyton or Johnson are truly capable of being a wide receiver too? So ultimately I do think Mike Williams is going to stick around at his current price tag. Uh Um, I I think that they are going to want to kind of wait and and see with him. Um, If it were up to me, I would rescind that offer and try and sign him to a more team friendly deal because $15 million puts him, I believe at the ninth highest paid receiver. Uh, And he definitely is not the ninth best receiver in the league. So um, that price tag should definitely change. I just, I don't think it's going to. if they cut Mike Williams, they should 100% draft a receiver in the first or second round next year. Um, I like Jalen Guyon and Tyron Johnson, um, but I do think that they are more uh, depth pieces than a true wide receiver two kind of kind of player.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to stick around because yeah, the thing about like negotiating his price down is like if you rescind his fifth year option he, I think, becomes a free agent, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, at that point, you lose control over him. So, you know, uh, as much as the Chargers might get to negotiate, other teams will get to negotiate. And I, yep. I think that brings you to the same point you're already in, which is some teams going to pay money for Mike Williams, right? And if you have multiple teams, you know, trying to get him, then the price gets driven up. So I, I don't yeah. think the $15 million price point ultimately changes I I think he'll be retained. It's pretty rare that you have something like a rescinded fifth-year option in general. Uh, Usually, the only time I like remember that is like injuries and stuff. So uh, I I think he'll stick around. You know, I mean, as much as we want to talk about like Mike Williams's production this year and stuff, and it's not as high as it was last year. It's also because he's not getting thrown the ball that much, right? Like you know, Philip Rivers was consistently forcing the ball to Mike Williams, uh, in Keenan Allen and Mike Williams were the only wideouts he trusted. Right. But that's not the same with Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert trusts Keenan Allen a lot, but because Justin Herbert got a lot of second team reps this off season and before, you know, Tyron went down, uh, you know, he has the relationship with Guyton, uh, as well as, you know, Parham Anderson and Johnson, right. And some of those guys that are under Mike Williams. So, you know, uh, to me, as much as we want to talk about Mike Williams' price point and stuff like that. I, you know, I think his lack of production this year is just more from not being fit into the offense and not totally being on the same page with Justin, which I, you know, I personally don't think that's that big of a deal in year one. If it doesn't work out next year, then you don't have to resign him. Right. But right. to me, I'd like to see him kind of given a chance with a full offseason to work with Justin uh, and kind of adjust, I I, I'd like to see what he can do next year personally.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, you know, when I tweeted out a couple of weeks ago that they try they should try and trade him. Uh, that was in no way me saying that I don't want him on the team. I just think, you know, with that price tag, you, you chop him around and take some phone calls and see what happens. Um, ultimately I do think he's going to stay on the team and it would be wise of them to, you know, get a shorter term extension done and be able to kind of you know, work it in a way that they wouldn't be paying so much money down the road. You know, Because they can afford a $15 million price tag this year. It's just, it's a lot for (laughs) the kind of production. And like you said, you know, he could certainly have a a much better year too uh, with more time with Justin Herbert. So speaking of Herbert, the next question says, outside of Herbert, where does the Chargers strength lie? There have been inconsistencies on all levels of the defense and the offense may have a lot of moving parts this offseason. Which position group do you believe will see the biggest step forward next year? So, uh, we talked about it earlier. I think the biggest step forward next year is going to be the linebacker group. I think Kenneth Murray is going to take a monster, monster step next for, next year. Be the kind of guy that gets you 140 tackles. Maybe with a defensive coordinator change, he could get three or four sacks. And Drew Trinkle is getting a ton of breakout buzz himself, uh, obviously before the injury. So, you know, those two. If Denzel Perryman's back next year, I think the linebacker core linebacker room is going to be very very good next season and uh i think that's probably where i would say is their strength right now as well you know because the defensive line is a mess the secondary is a mess the receivers aren't healthy tight ends aren't healthy the offensive line is a mess so i think after quarterback it's linebacker core right now
1: yeah i mean i think the thing that i said before is like this team is top heavy right there are really great players but there's not a ton of depth at certain positions like secondary defensive line. Um, so, you know, it all depends on which groups I guess improve in the off season, right? We talk about blowing up the offensive line or, you know, um, just adding depth in certain areas to me, if I had to guess a group that's poised for a breakout, I think linebacker is a good choice. I'll actually go and say defensive line. Uh, I, you know, obviously we have Joey Bosa there, but I could see, look, you know, it's year three for Jerry Tillery kind of a make or break here. I could see him improving depending on if they want to do defensive end or tackle. Joseph, I think will be as good as he is, uh, was this year. And Justin Jones is still there in the run game. You know, maybe you get a bit of a bit of burst from Rochelle or someone like that, or you take someone in the draft. I could just see that kind of uh, getting better next year and maybe, you know, Uchenna or somebody becomes kind of, you know, maybe that permanent edge depending on what they do with Ingram. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, But I could see if Bosa is healthy for 16 games next year and you get uh, some upgrades uh, and some, you know, just overall improvement from the rest of the line. I could see that being better next year.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the next question here uh, is from Tyler Wickord. He asked two questions as well. Um, His first question was, if you had to keep one of either Hunter Henry or Mike Williams, who would you choose and why? I think for me, I would choose Hunter Henry. I just think, you know, tight ends are so hard to develop these days. And, you know, you can look around the league and, heck, you can even look at the Pro Bowl ballot of the NFC out of the NFC, right? You know, TJ Hawkinson and Evan Ingram being Pro Bowl tight ends just kind of shows you how hard it is to find a quality tight end. And so I think, you know, Justin has kind of shown uh, that he really likes to throw to tight ends. He trusts them. Uh, both at Oregon and with the chargers. And so I think keeping Hunter Henry around uh, and maybe drafting someone to develop behind him or Donald Parm, you know, maybe he takes another step, um, but I would choose Hunter Henry out of those two.
1: Yeah. I would choose Hunter Henry too, uh, just because he's kind of more central to Justin Herbert. Um, I think he's been a bit better as a blocker this year. Yeah. Um, and as well. Yeah. Compared to what he was and what we were talking about in the offseason, I think he's gotten a lot better in that department. Uh, you know, and this team just really needs him. Right. I mean, there's kind of not a lot, you know, I, to me, I think if you were to lose Mike Williams and draft somebody, uh, I, I think you would lose a little bit, but not quite as much as like, if you decided to get rid of Hunter Henry and draft somebody right to me, right. just like the development of a wide receiver two is just easier and so not, much easier. Not as hard, Not not as hard as the development of a tight end one. Uh, so I, to me, that would be the, the real reason with Henry, just kind of positional difficulty there. Um, but, but I just think Henry has been uh, really solid as a contributor this year. You know, the big question was, could he stay healthy? Uh, and he stayed healthy and unfortunately got COVID, um, sucks, man. Which sucks for him. Um, but you know, I, I think he's really impressed me just, uh, compared to what I thought he was before the season, you know, I wasn't totally in on like top five tight end when he's healthy, but not, now I kind of am, I, I, I do really think he's one of those top five, top 10 tight end guys, uh, when he is healthy. So, you know, he's been really great this year. And I think specifically his relationship with Herbert also probably gives him, uh, another edge over, you know, Mike Williams, if I had to choose between the two.
2: Yeah. And, you know, he's another one that really could take a big step forward next year himself because, You know, this team really they've been almost exclusively using him over the middle and as kind of a safety valve for Justin. So um, that'll be really interesting to see how everything kind of pans out next year, because, you know, Justin's going to have a full offseason with these guys. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's just really interesting there. Um, His second question, has Michael Davis taking a leap to becoming a good NFL cornerback? Do you believe he has a long term future on the team or is he simply just depth? I personally believe he has become a quality cornerback too, and, and that's okay. You know, I, I think that is where he belongs. I think he does need someone that can, you know, take the team's best, the, the other team's best receiver out of the game. Um, but Michael Davis has taken a really nice leap this year, and he hasn't played super well the last couple of games, but he battled Jerry Judy all game long on Sunday. And, you know, we've seen him, you know, make leaps as a tackler. He's, he's gotten more interceptions this year. He's gotten more pass breakups this year. So, yeah, I, I do think that Michael Davis is a good NFL cornerback. I, I don't think that he's capable of becoming like the best corner on a team or he shouldn't be at least, um, but I've been happy with his development and I definitely think that he should be kept on this team and he's probably the second most important free agent on this team behind Hunter Henry.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think he's been really great this year. Uh, Just kind of going through some of the games, uh, he he had a really solid effort. I mean, you know, the game that I'll always remember is, you know, this team going into Buffalo, no Casey Hayward. uh, And, you know, we've seen what Stefan Diggs has done the last, you know, two, three weeks, just, you know, incinerating people. Uh, And, you know, Michael Davis in that secondary was able to shut down Stefan Diggs. Um, right. Which was, uh, I think, a really great achievement. I know he hasn't played super great the last couple of weeks, but to me, you can just tell his technique is more refined. Uh, he turns his head around now, which is really cool, <laughs> um, and uh, he just makes really good plays on the ball, and I think smart tackles as well. Uh, I think his tackling has definitely improved from from where it was uh, earlier, I guess, or in the off season. So, you know, I honestly think, yeah, as you said, solid CB two, and probably now the second most important. Uh, free agent to Hunter Henry. So, uh, you know, and he's pretty young too. He's 26, I think. So he's not going to like hit that wall soon, right? Where a quarterbacks yeah. kind of turn 30 or something. I think he'll still be kind of at his status for a while. Uh, and the important thing that I think he brings you is, uh, is speed, right? Like Casey Hayward and Chris Harris are not speed guys. And if you want to cover Tyreek Hill, Like you need uh, Michael Davis and if you want to cover some of those other speedsters in the NFL, like, uh, I think you just really need to have him around, you know, unless you want to get burnt every game. So um, I think he's developed into a really good contributor for this team, which is something I didn't, I did not expect him to develop into like a full time. I really want this guy at CB2 for the year. Um, But, but I think he's developed nicely into that
2: yeah absolutely agree there and and it's been fun watching him develop right and and, you know we saw it even in the second game when he had a pass breakup on tyree kill and i was like wait he turned his head around like okay like let's go mike so it's it's been fun to see he picked Um, six
1: brady yeah (laughs) yeah over that play that was that was really fun and then brady came out in the second half is like all right i gotta get you back for that but
2: yeah absolutely um,
1: you know, I think there's been enough moments where if you add them up, it's like, OK, you know, I see more development in his future. I don't think this is the the ceiling for him. I think he can be an effective CB2 and uh, just keep developing as time goes on.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we'll get to the last two questions from our good friend Riley Williams. Uh, shout out to Riley. He's the guy who came up with our name. So uh, that's always good to see him on here. Um, his first question. Assuming they clean house, what is your ideal head coach, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator combo? Uh, I'll let you answer this first, Alex.
1: Uh, my my ideal head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive combo. Um, I don't know if I have like exact guys pinned for these positions. I would say to be the head coach should be someone who is sort of an experienced veteran coach. Uh, I, I would like to see someone who's been around the league for a while. Um, I'm not so much a proponent of like, you know, hiring just like whoever the hot OC at the time is. Um, You know, I, I, Brian Dable's really experienced in the league. I would like someone like him. Uh, I think he's a great coach. You know, my, my dream is Jack Del Rio. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't think Jack Del Rio will happen, but in general, I would like someone who, even if they haven't been head, they don't have head coach experience someone who is uh, a veteran who's been around as a coordinator for a really long time. Right. Uh, I kind of want that someone who understands situational football really well. uh, So that's what I want to see kind of in a head coach, Uh, not necessarily someone who has to be offensively or defensively oriented, but will just kind of make the mistakes that (laughs) you won't make the situational mistakes that Anthony Lynn has Um, in terms of offensive coordinator. there's a lot of interesting names for this that I guess kind of go around. Um, I I would like to see maybe a young guy um, or actually no, someone more experienced than Steichen has been entering the season. Uh, So kind of also leaning on that experience angle. You know, maybe Steven has planned this question better than I did because it kind of was thrown at me. Um, I I don't really have an exact head coach, defensive coordinator, offensive combo. If you maybe make an ideal one, uh, I guess I'll say, like, uh, I can't think of any offensive, defensive guys off the top of my head. Steven, you make your coaching tree first, and then I'll make mine. Okay.
2: (laughs) Uh, so you know, Brian Dable obviously, I, I've been you know pumping that hype train. Uh, I really like what I've seen from him over the last few weeks. Um, but there hasn't really been much chatter in terms of like who he would be able to bring from the Buffalo staff with him. Um, you know, a lot of people seem to think that if Brian Dable leaves, then Buffalo is going to promote their quarterback's coach to offensive coordinator. Uh, and they should, I, I think that's a logical thing for him. So it, it would be really interesting to see you know who he would be able to bring with him, uh, you know he's got ties to Alabama and he's got ties to uh, the Patriots and he's he's got a lot of ties everywhere. So you know in, in terms of my ideal thing for him, I would love to see him maybe pluck Steve Sarkisian away from Nick Saban. I think mm. that probably would be a bit of a reach, um, considering um, he, he might get head coaching buzz at the college level. I think that would be fun. And then defensive coordinator, I wrote about him in my article. Um, Gerard Mayo, you know, he's been getting a lot of buzz. He's gotten some buzz for head coaching positions. Um, he's only been a linebackers coach for the Patriots for two years, but, you know, he's done a fantastic job for, you know, the linebacker core this year f- for them. You know, they lost Kyle Van Vannoy, Dante Hightower opted out. They've got a lot of young guys uh, at that position. And so I think he would be a good defensive coordinator and, and I don't know if he'd be able to fully adapt the Patriots scheme, but I think that would be tempting. Um, and then, you know, I love the, the Kyle Shanahan offense. That's that's kind of what I would love Justin Herbert to get into. And so if you're talking about another quality staff, I think Robert Sala as head coach, um, he is reported to be taking Mike LaFleur, uh, the Packers head coach's older brother, with him as offensive coordinator. Uh, I, I would love that pairing. And then with Chris Richard, you know, who we mentioned earlier, uh, I think that trio would be fantastic as well.
1: Yeah. Um, hmm. All right. So I'll, I'll put together a coaching staff. Uh, my dream is I'll go Jack Del Rio as head coach. There we go. Um, my offensive coordinator. Or no, I'll start with my defensive. I like uh, Jim Leonard out of Wisconsin. Uh, I think he's a guy that could get promoted to the NFL. He's been really great there uh, for a long time. Uh, I think he'd be an interesting name to go after. Uh, And as far as like offensive coordinator, um, someone like uh, who can bring in some kind of Shanahan style schemes, Uh, you know, Mike, uh, uh, Mike Daniel is the guy, the run game coordinator in San Francisco uh, that a lot of people talk about. Uh, I, you know, if you want to give him, Kind of a promotion to offensive coordinator. He's, uh, I think, really smart, uh, you know, in terms of how he made that run game uh, work last year uh, before all the injuries. You know, like, I mean, they were having Jimmy Garoppolo throw six times a game, (laughs) which, you know, when you have a run game that's that dominant, uh, I I think he's just a really smart guy who kind of works with some good uh Shanahan style offense which I'm sure Chargers fans want a really clean offense in general um so yeah I'll go Del Rio Mike McDaniel as offensive coordinator and then uh Leonard as defense from Wisconsin
2: that's interesting that we both brought up some uh college coordinators I think that would be fun so uh Riley I hope you guys enjoyed that that uh answer I'm sorry I threw that at you last minute Alex um but
1: (laughs) I didn't prepare (laughs) I just I just saw that we had 14 comments and I was like oops
2: <laughs> well, there we go. So, uh, I think those are some high quality coaching staffs. Like I said, you know, there hasn't been any kind of rumblings about you know who Dable would would bring with him, which I think you know uh, we'd have to wait and see uh, about that. So, I think Robert Sala, you know, he has his connections through the Seattle days, and I think you know those are kind of more obvious, um, but we'll have to wait and see. So, the last question from Riley, <laughs> assuming y'all have any spare time with job, school, writing, and podcasting. Uh, what do you do for fun? So uh, if you follow me, I'm, I'm a big, you know, uh, pop culture kind of guy. Me and my wife love going to movies and, and going out to eat. I'm a big local business kind of person. Uh, unfortunately, with, the, with COVID in California, I haven't been able to sit down and eat at restaurants, but, you know, and then we're big into traveling to uh, Disneyland and Disney World as well. So hopefully getting back to uh, back to normal when, once the vaccine hits and, and all that kind of stuff
1: yeah um i don't know i feel i feel like what i do for fun is this show um (laughs) i like writing like it's not really like a job for me i mean i i I like just doing it uh and you know in addition to like you know going to med school and becoming a doctor it's like i don't have a ton of free time um but you know what i like to do is all the sports obviously as i said you know i've always been a big sports fan you know outside of the Chargers and, you know, I like basketball, hockey, um, you know, I also like tennis a lot, um, golf, really anything Tiger Woods related. Into um, into. so I, I like watching sports in that way. Uh, I like reading up on the news. So I'm really boring is what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I definitely am into movies and TV shows, maybe kind of like a more, indie movie taste uh i don't know i i know steven is big into like the mandalorian and the big star wars and marvel stuff but i've always been kind of more into uh i guess artsy fartsy stuff Um, (laughs) so (laughs) that's kind of um sort of the stuff i'm into but uh yeah I'm, i'm super you know excited for all the stuff with uh movies and tv coming out but uh yeah i don't know uh <laughs> Whatever I post about on Twitter is probably what I'm into, but I, I definitely like catching a good uh, Netflix show or HBO show every now and then.
2: Yeah, and uh, you know, one of the good things about the pandemic uh, is that me and Brooke actually discovered that we like going golfing. So uh, yeah. that was that was fun for us this summer because it was literally the only thing that we could do here in California. Um, <laughs> so hopefully, things open back up soon. Really, just want to get back to normal. Anyways, so. Um, Alex, any other thoughts before we wrap up today?
1: Uh, I guess I would just say I'm really thankful that we've gotten to 100 episodes. I'm thankful you and Tyler haven't kicked me off the show yet. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, I'm just thankful, you know, when when I first took over, I guess, I was kind of like nervous to see how I would fit in with Jason. And I I think the people like me so far. So, uh, you know, it's just cool that we've had a bunch of fun moments, uh, you know, through these you know, hundred episodes of which I've been here for 50 of them. And, uh, you know, I hope you can get do hundred more episodes. Uh, you know, so, you know, I'm sure we'll go through the next eight, uh, chargers, coaching hires together. Uh, you <laughs> <laughs> do this for 80 years. Um, but yeah, Works for and, um, me. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, where the team goes and I like interacting with all the fans every day. So, you know, I'm just thankful that we get to do this.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that was very well said by Alex and, uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun for me, honestly. I, I, you know, I've always been interested in doing this kind of thing. And uh, when Tyler and I and Jason had the idea back in January, man, that seems so long ago. Um, but, you know, it, it's come together rather nicely for us. And, it, you know, I couldn't be happier with where this podcast is headed. Uh, and thankful for Alex and Tyler being able to take their time out and, and uh, you know, accompany me on this journey. It's just been really fun for me. Uh, getting able to talk about the chargers this much has just been something that I've always been interested in and a hundred episodes, man. It's been, it's been fun. And hopefully we get to another hundred in the next, next year or so. Um, So, all right, guys, that'll do it for us. Next time you hear our voices, it will be 2021 uh, a year that we hope is much better than 2020 for everybody. And uh, we do sincerely thank you for all of your support and uh, we'll talk to you soon. See you.